supportive families. This is Emily Penrod. My guest today is Mark Clough, the founder of Alpine Valley Academy in Lehigh. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Mark, what really intrigues me the most is the story of your journey, how you came to found a private school and you don't have a background in education. Could you start with that? Tell us about your background. Uh, my background is that education has always been important to me. I've seen what it's done for my life and for my siblings and, and others. You say, I don't have an educational background. Well, I don't have your, what you might say, a traditional education background. But when I was in graduate school, I taught an a undergraduate class a couple of different classes. So yeah, I, I didn't have the traditional, but I taught. And within the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints, I was a seminary teacher for a number of years. So that gave me a background in that I understood education from that point of view. Plus, I spent 16, 17 years in education and observing firsthand education. And I'm the father of five daughters who've now all gone through public school and universities. And, and so it, from my point of view, I have a nice background in what education is, what it can do, its issues and such. My education led me into engineering and um, computer science, where I worked through industry and consulting and ultimately started my own software company. I got to the point where I had sold the company. I was still working with them when individuals came and asked me if I'd consider running for the State Board of Education here in Utah. When I looked into it, saw what it was, uh, my passion for education, that uh, was something I wanted to be involved in. So I ran, I was elected, and started serving on the State Board. It was an amazing learning experience as well as working with education with schools, with teachers and students. I had a number of constituents who had kids that did fine public education, charter schools, but they had have this one or two students that just struggled or were having issues. And so I decided since I had retired from my software company that I had started, that I would look into education around the country, look at different alternatives, see what has been done, and, and study that. And that led me to a number of uh, discoveries of what's being done in education. I also was elected to be on the National um, Association of State Charter School Boards as a Western director, and gave me an opportunity to talk with individuals around the country. And my search led me to a school in Massachusetts called Sudbury Valley School. This year, they're celebrating their 50th year. And I was intrigued by it, their model. I was amazed at the success that their graduates had had and are having. But I was skeptical about their process. So I got their startup kit. I read all their books. I delved into it. And from my own religious background, it made sense to me that when you give someone their agency and let them use that agency to direct their learning, their lives, that amazing things can happen. I see I worded that awkwardly. You have a strong background in valuing education and understanding 
the power and worth and also have a strong background in engineering and software. That's great. That's a good balance. So you selected the Sudbury Valley approach as the most effective. And I know you also went out to visit the school, didn't you? Yes. This last May, I've been in contact with them for years. And, and, but I finally took the step and went out there personally and spent a whole week um, at their school, um, participated, talked with students, talked with staff and saw how things really, after reading all the books, I knew pretty much what it was going to, what it was like and, and their system, but I was able to see it firsthand and it gave me a wonderful experience, led me to even more believe in what I was doing. So when did you decide to open a school here in Utah? Well, I had hoped to, when I was in in my journey and looking into um, the Sudbury School, my youngest daughter, who was in middle school at the time at a charter school, she and I looked at it together. We talked about, discussed it uh, when she moved into a high school. Um, her sophomore year, she had great anxiety and she was desperate for a school like this because she felt it would, and I agreed with her, would be a great benefit to her. But I wasn't in a position at that time to do, to start a school. So the years went by. It was always in the back of my mind looking for the opportunities, figuring out what would be needed. Finally, I would say probably three years ago, I felt I needed to start moving this direction. Um, There's decisions I was making in my life, how I use the great blessings that had come into me and, and move forward. So that's when I really started looking um, for a site for a school. Because for me, one of the important things about Sudbury, they're on five acres and they have lots of grass and trees. Being in Massachusetts, um, it's, it's always green. And the outside is just as important as being able to be in a classroom. That is so true. So I searched around. I found different sites that didn't work out. Finally, a year and a half ago, I, a little over a year and a half ago, I found the site that we're at and started the process of preparing it and working with the, the city and the state and the bureaucracies to uh, move forward to get the school going. Okay, I, I want to mention the what I found unusual about the school. I went to one of your open houses last summer and ended up driving right by it because it's a house. And that was my intention. I wanted it to feel like a home because I feel that that environment where we feel safe and comfortable in a home environment, we do have other buildings which aren't quite like a home, but the students feel at home. They feel comfortable. They feel safe. I think that is the most important part for every student, but especially students with special needs. Well, I also had the chance to visit your school at your invitation. Thank you and met the students and watched the process and attended a a student council meeting that wasn't the term you used though can you tell yeah, us about that council. yeah it, it, council. okay we call it a school council Sudbury calls it a school meeting and we chose to use a council because for me councils are extremely important and and it's a way of working with people individuals and getting things done so 
our school council at the beginning of the year. The school council is actually which runs the school, and the school council is made up of all the students and the staff. We have seven staff members. Most of them are part-time. There's three of us who are full-time. So everyone has a vote in the school council. And the school council sets the budget. They, set, they are involved in the hiring and, and, if necessary, removal of staff. They're involved in the, creating the rules that are governed the lives of staff and students. Everyone is treated as an equal in that regard. I, I was impressed in this meeting. It was led by a student, and I think she, I'm guessing at her age, 13, 14. Yeah, she's but, 14. Yeah, talk about teaching leadership skills. She was learning how to conduct and run this meeting, keeping everyone on task, and doing it very effectively. I was very impressed. Yeah, it, she's really grown in the She was elected at our second meeting. She and some others ran for the position, and, the, and we also have a secretary who was elected. She was elected and, you know, didn't have all the leadership skills, but we worked with her and helped her, and her time will run out, and she was reelected again for another term. And the first of the year, we'll have another election and elect a new um, school president. We run the school council using Robert's rules. So we've been teaching the students how Robert rules works and function under that. So they're learning about government, you know, Robert's rules, taking a leadership role. I saw where if students had a question or concern, there was a process that they could bring that up. I, I don't, I hesitate to use the word complaint, but we that, do. okay, all right, then go ahead. <laughs> yeah, um, we, we came in with a list of safety rules and rules that we felt should be in. We talked these through the school council, the first meeting, and then we had a, a a few days later, we had another meeting where the school council voted in all those rules. Since that time, students and staff have been adding rules to it, and they go through a first reading and a second reading, just like our legislature. And there's discussion on it, there's amendments to them, and then they're voted in. And once we have a rule that's been approved by the school council, it's put into our rule book. And everyone, staff and students, have to live by those rules. Now, if anyone, staff or student, breaks one of the rules or is not following one of them, any student or staff member can write up the individual who may have broken a rule. We have a, a judicial council made up of three students. One of them is elected as the clerk of that council and one staff member. And they meet every day at 11 o'clock to hear any complaints that have been leveled against someone. Um, this was a scary process for some of the kids at first because they didn't fully understand. But now everyone loves it. The one who's the accuser has a chance to express what they felt happened and what rule was broken in their mind. The accused has an opportunity to express 
their feelings of what happened and why. And the majority of the time, it's very evident. And so the, the accused pleads guilty, and then the counsel decides on a sentence, which could be from a warning to whatever makes sense as far as a, a sentence that makes sense to help them to learn. One of the things I've seen, there's two things I could bring up with this, with I've seen with the school council, it's been amazing, is that there's two young men, 10 years old, good friends, play all the time together, but one had done something inappropriate and broke one of the rules. And so his friend wrote him up. And they each presented their sides, and the one who was accused, you know, admitted, yeah, he was guilty, he did break the rule. And he says, you know, I've, I've thought about it, and I now know I should have done this. And to me, that's one of the greatest things they're seeing. They have an opportunity to think about it, to express themselves. And then he came up with his own solution, what he would do in the future if that same situation arose. We had another student, and this is a seven-year-old, who at home he has two younger sisters, and one of them attends a the school, and they, he felt one of his sisters broke a family rule. And so he went and got a blank piece of paper. He wrote up his sister, gave it to his mom. They held a family council, and they went through the complaint, and they had an opportunity to work as a family to resolve this issue. And the mother came to me and just told me how happy she was that these children are empowered. They know how, they don't have to wait for a teacher or principal or someone else to take care of it. They can act immediately to write up, to state what happened and it's heard immediately. And they have, they feel, as they said, empowered in their lives. And this has even gone into their homes in this case. Well, and, and I observed the courtesy and respect. There was no anger, no raised voices. It was just calmly discussed. The students are learning to take responsibility for their actions and appropriate ways to correct a wrong or solve a conflict. I was very impressed with that. I also have the opportunity to talk to some mothers who commented on how much better one mother had a very hyperactive son who was always getting into trouble in his previous school. But here, he, he bumped into the rules occasionally, but it was much more a much more accepting environment, plus the choice. This is another key element I thought was so important and goes along with the podcast from last week uh, on the research trip to Finland and Sweden, this student-directed learning. They choose their curriculum. And I talked to one uh, teenage student who explained her passion is art, and she is allowed to pursue that passion to her heart's content but she also explained in the process of the year, she is expanding and learning and growing. And so then a carrying over her art into writing assignments. It was really quite fascinating. Yes, that's why I'm doing this. Because students, when they're given control over their own lives, over their own um, education, 
they step up to the task and they expand and they realize that they have to do something. They can't just wait for someone to tell them what to do. That is so true. And I know some parents are concerned, oh, but it's not accredited. How will they ever get into college? And there are many advantages to being not accredited. As my understanding is, you are not required to administer any end-of-level testing or report to a government agency. Is that correct? That's correct. In fact, um, since very few, unless they choose a class that may have a test just to see where they're at, there's very little testing that's done at the school. For some of our research, some of the opportunities for the students, there are some like safety tests they have to take or otherwise. But in this day and age, uh, these students are considered in a way homeschooled. And so that's how universities look at them. And the ACT or the SAT is what they're more interested in. We do offer a diploma. It's not an accredited diploma, but it's a diploma that means something to us where a student has to pick a subject. Well, the subject's defined as that, what they've learned and how they're gonna apply it in their lives. And they have to write a thesis on that. And they have to defend that thesis before a committee. And if they um, perform all that and are able to defend their thesis, then they can uh, receive one of our diplomas. And this is based on the Sudbury model. Yes. That's been around for 50 years. I've been on their website and they have the statistics of how many of their graduates go on to college. One thing I thought was really significant is the high percentage that go into owning their own business. That's correct. Type of entrepreneurship and thinking for themselves. I, I'm, I'm seeing this as creating much better citizens much better members of society that can contribute, that take responsibility for their actions and are proactive. I see a lot of benefit to this. Yeah, I've seen with my own daughters and I've seen it with others as I've worked at universities that, you know, new freshmen coming in, sometimes this is the first time in their lives that they've really had their freedom, the freedom to choose. And they're not always making good choices right then. What we've learned that as children at a younger age are given the freedom to make choices, the more opportunity they have to learn to make good choices. And then when they get totally away from home, then they're more likely to make good choices in their lives. So I'm going to have the link to your, the website to Alpine Valley Academy. I understand people can contact you through there if parents are interested in enrolling their children, or maybe if they're in another area, they might be interested in starting a school of their own, and are you available to help people with that? Definitely willing to talk with them and, and help with that. Um, they are Sudbury schools modeled after Sudbury Valley all around the country. There's another one in Utah. And there's a, they're in Europe, they're in the Middle East, they're looking in Asia, a few places. So this is a model that's expanding the earth. Well, it sounds like a good one, and it's a good thing to hear that. 
So are any other comments, anything else we need to know about Alpine Valley Academy and the Sudbury model? You know, we've been open now a little over two months and, you know, you have your expectations, but what I've seen has equaled or surpassed my expectations in many ways. These are amazing youth from this day and age. They just have to be given the freedom to take charge of their lives and to learn how to be in charge of their education and their lives. And they're happier. Anxiety is not an issue. ADHD is not an issue. Um, all these societal issues really just go away in these environments. I believe it. I, you know, some may think, oh, it sounds like the students are running the school. But I taught in a large public high school, and for a while we did not have effective leadership, and in that, and I saw what it looks like when students run the school, but that is not what is happening here. I was very impressed. With, there was respect. I was yes, impressed. Uh, we call ourselves a constitutional council where we do have a constitution that the students approved at the beginning of the year that lays down the ground rules and the rights and, and they're able to live by that and to grow with that. And naturally they want to choose what's best for everyone. I love it. Yeah. That's one of the things that amazed me when I was at Sudbury even is that the older students, the age mixing is incredible and how they older students really have an empathy for the younger ones and they're helpful and looking out for them there's the bowling goes away because they care for each other. And if someone does do something that may be along the lines of bowling, that student has the power to take care of it, to write them up. I, that's one thing we, we forgot to mention. There are no grade levels. There's no second grade, third grade. They're all students. Is that right? They're, they're all students and they follow their own interests and passions. Um, in some cases we had some, our art teacher, our art staff member brought in um, clay, and we had some five-year-olds working on it. We had some 15-year-olds working on our project side by side. And they look and see what each other's doing. They talk about it. What Sudbury's found when you have age mixing, and again, we don't have grades. We're ages five through 18. And that the students learn to talk with staff, person to person that with the older students and when they go into life, which that's the way life is. Age isn't the criteria. It's working with others of all ages. And the, these students learn, aren't afraid to talk to me or any of the other staff members. And they're able to um, deal with society in that way. That, yeah, I, yeah, I agree that they're much better prepared for the workforce where they're there working for someone else or starting their own company. Correct. I have great admiration for what you're doing. I know you're a busy man. Thank you so much for taking the time to share that with us. My pleasure. And we'll have the link to your website, as I said, and I hope you have a great day. You too. I know I will have a great day. I'm here with all the students. <laughs> <laughs>